Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And this is the final of our um, season of Mandalorian Chit Chats, talking about the final episode, The Redemption. And The Redemption, if the season was bad, this would be its redemption, but the season was awesome, so it needs no redemption. But if it was bad, it would be redeemed, because this episode was so good, in my unhumble opinion. Joining us to discuss it, from every podcast's call-in section and Patreon content abounding, it's Ohio's own King Tom. How you doing, buddy? I'm confused. So does this mean we have negative redemption? We have continued good-demption. I'll take it. Good-demption. Good-demption, mate. Uh, how, was your, uh, how was your holidays, Tom? It was a lot of fun. The kids had, the kids had fun. That's, that's what matters. How about yours? We all had fun, and that's what matters. Like, why, why not? I should be able to have fun as well. Like, it'd be better. Like, yeah. I mean? So, I'm just trying to be realistic about it all. In New York, it is our cat's correspondent, Emily Lind. Hello. How was your holidays, Emily? Um, I wish I had seen cats a couple more times, but it was pretty good overall. <laughs> wow. Wow, Blu-ray release. Have they announced that yet? Not yet, but <laughs> my friend and I already have plans for a Cats release party. Nice. We can only hope that there's something faulty with the disc and they have to do a, a recall or something just to continue <laughs> the amazing uh, run it is having. And in Jersey, it is Skeletor himself, Robbo. Hi, Steel. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How um how was your holidays? Uh, it was good. Okay. Good stuff. Nice. And of course, for those that are uh, watching on YouTube, you get to see Skeletor uh, in place for Robbo. Um, Mandalorian, Chapter 8, Redemption. I was blown away. I... I just thought that was... What was that? 50 minutes or something of just... Just solid, fresh yet classic Star Wars action. I it had so many different facets to it. Um, when I was rewatching it, it would um, like I would forget like the Tie Fighter battle, and I'd be like, "Oh, it's got this as well." But uh, Emily, I know you just rewatched it today. How how was your second viewing? Really, really good. And I I watched I watched seven and eight back to back which was the way to go. And like so much has happened like, when I was watching rewatching seven, I had somehow forgotten there were dragons. I didn't think I could forget dragons. Totally forgot dragons. <laughs> Too busy thinking about cats. That's your problem. 
Um, it, I, I found it interesting the way it all tied in at the end. You know, one of the complaints of the show was that it had its adventure of the week or whatever. Um, I didn't share those complaints. I, I thought they were great. But I, I think what, like, taking in all eight at once, all eight episodes, there is no sort of adventure of the week. It was sort of unknowingly, which is the best way to do it, was sort of building up all the characters to um, have their big finale in the last two. Uh, what do you think about that prognosis, Skeletor, Robbo? Yeah, I mean, there were two episodes that don't really do that five and six uh one of them being my least favorite the other one being one of my more favorite ones but i think they both at least six does sets up something that'll probably happen in the second season which is those people were put in jail instead of killed so they can come back and seek their revenge etc and if boba fett returns if that's who that was then i guess the last 10 seconds of episode five are salvageable but um so, yeah i so, mean I, I feel like it's fair to say like yeah it all, one, so the one, other one, episodes no what ones are you sit. saying filler five and six well, i didn't say filler i just said they don't i don't think they they actually contribute anything to this story because they're not really do you know what i'm saying they don't really do like there are no characters from those that come back yet yet but you know what i'm saying like if you're saying that they weren't they weren't really all kind of, you know, just adventure of the week episodes, like because they all had somebody or something that came back. Those two did not. I'm just yeah, that I get you. But I also like, especially like with, say with the Bill Burr one on the prison ship, it really established like, you know, the Mandalorian, what he was like pre-Yoda or Yoju, yeah. if you will. I, I think, I mean, I'm not saying there's no like merit to them. That They're not like, I actually like the kind of, the style of the show where you don't have to recall every last detail of every single episode to, to get it at the end. So I'm not, I I don't find this to be a negative at all. So I just was, you know, trying to, to flesh out that uh, comparison he made. Well, you have fleshed it out and now Bobby Yoda is going to come out, Yoju, if you will, and put his hand over and, and heal that flesh because that's what he does. Uh, King Tom, you've uh, you are well renowned for reading everything in record time, taking in mm-hmm. all the canon. Um, I feel like a man of your stature, with your reading and your viewing, you would have been uh, pretty satisfied with the uh, the little call back at the end, or the call forward, or the reference. It- it was very surprising, and as much as I was blown away by the content of the main story of this episode, I completely satisfied with it. And then to have that at the end, Moff Gideon cut his way out of his tie, tie fighter with the dark saber. It was just very unexpected, and to to have a jaw dropping scene to end it on. That was definitely the Star Wars version of a we have to go back from Lost. Oh, because yes. I, I don't think people expected to see that because it's it it featured so heavily both in in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. But to see it here is just was just inconceivable. But apparently they'll do anything on the Mandalorian if it works, and it worked. Yeah, I. I oh, sorry, Emily. Go ahead. What? 
Okay, so no, I was just, I was just saying. You... I mean, I haven't. I don't. I don't know people who are watching this show who don't know rebels and stuff, or at least I haven't talked to them yet. But mm-hmm. I imagine that still works as it's just a holy crap that dude has a lightsaber moment. Okay, so I can speak to this because although I was aware of what it was, mm-hmm. I recognized it. Like uh, my wife and son did not. And they were asking me, like, what it was. I'm like, I could explain to them what it literally is. But I'm more curious what they think it is. And because mm-hmm. if the show is going to work, it has to it can't just be this confusing thing that shows up at the end. And then everybody's like, so because, you know, first of all, they did, they were not aware that it wasn't a lightsaber. So it maybe looked kind of different, looked sort of cheap, but not, you know, <laughs> it didn't look great. And we all know it. I don't um, think it looks all that great in the cartoons, to be honest. It's it's funky looking. I the cartoons it, I don't it, look all that great in. I them. thought it looked exactly the same as the cartoon. Well, I, I thought well, I thought it did a, too. That's a problem because we're watching a live action show yeah. and it looks like an unfinished special effect. But that said, I always found the effect stood out. It didn't seem to fit in with the rest of the animation as well. So it always it, sort of glowed in a like an unrealistic reverse black. It's the opposite of what we're used to seeing. Yeah, it's it's brilliant, I'm sure. Um, so the <laughs> it's like so they were just confused because to them, normal people, they're like, so he's a Jedi because there's also that talk earlier in the episode where they're talking about how the Jedi were. So, yeah, my my son was really confused because he's like, well, wait, because he didn't catch that. They said like centuries ago are, you know, the Mandalorians or Mandalore the Great, I guess, is what they say, uh, fought against some sorcerers, sorcerer warriors named the Jedi who had similar powers. And so they thought that that, that was related to that. Oh. And it was confusing to them because it's like, well, I thought he was a bad guy. I thought the Jedi were good guys. And it's it. So the way I explained it was, well, they said that that was centuries ago. And then they also said that this guy was like the, the, you know, I don't know, whatever the guy who was overseeing the destruction of their planet or something like that. And so if they, if these people fought Jedi 300 years ago or whatever it was, they must've had some kind of weapons that could fight lightsabers to do that. Right. So he must, he, maybe he found something like that. Well, we have no idea of the backstory of their conflict. Who was the aggressor, and who who is not you know well no but not... I mean if they if they put up a fight at all like it, you know what I mean like it's I'm just saying if you think about it that way it makes sense because oh well they must have had like we've seen other weapons that can fight lightsabers right they won't get immediately cut in half right and Captain, so they're aware Captain of that so I was like I guess it's one of those things you know the the nice thing is and this is something we've talked about before when the episode was over for every other episode this season or chapter this season it said if you like this you'll love the empire strikes back but when we got to the end of the credits for me with this chapter it said if you like this you might like the clone wars oh yeah me too it didn't the first time i watched it and then when i watched it today it did so cuz yeah i was sick i was sick of getting suggested empire strikes back Come on! What a so you you tr- hate you hate the Empire Strikes Back? Oh, is that what you're saying, Steel? Sound like some, sounds like that's what he's saying. Some some fifty two year old true fan Empire. Oh, you like that Empire? If you like that Empire, it's like 
Yeah, I like Empire, but suggest something else to me. I um, I was saying on Blue Harvest last night or the night before, I wish they were a bit more like Disney Plus was less cold and mm-hmm. then there was like an after show or, a, you know, like a, you know, I, I sort of feel like Pablo Hidalgo doesn't want to have his face out there anymore, but someone going, if you like, you know, a five minute thing, if you like this, watch this arc of the Clone Wars and this and that, like just something... I, that, that would get... I wonder if that cuts both ways because I can I think that would work for some people like for me, actually, that would be good because it would tell me like, here's here's where this comes from. Here's where that comes from. You don't need to watch it now. Um, but, you know, and for other people who are like who are really into it, they'll, they'll want to see the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Well, if you but gag, then for if you other people, it it's like, oh, I've got to watch stuff. this cartoon. What? No, I don't know whether it's Star Wars for me. Like, I don't I think they really don't want to risk that. But I'm not. I don't know whether that's what? the right idea. Maybe most Rob, people Robo, would like seeing the. Tell, tell me what the risk is here. Hey, there's more stuff you like on your um for the seven dollars you're paying a month. Oh, I, I better unsubscribe then because this is too. If much you stuff put it that I way, like. Steel, there's nothing at risk. But in another more accurate way, what they're what you can look at it as is where they're saying like you were confused by this, and so to find out the answers. Here's a, here's like you know seven no. seasons of a of a old cartoon. No, you don't. And, oh, you don't say seven seasons. As I said, you go watch this arc, and you'll find out some history of the uh, the dark saber. I, I think I you're point, right. Can I point yeah, out yeah, that ahead. you're you're arguing over something that does not exist. No, I, Emily. I think what like we're what we're. I, I'm just I'm just saying this is why maybe oh, no, they no, wouldn't no, do no, that. I, I, I disagree with Steel. I think ah. that Steel is right. I'm just trying to give some. Oh. There's a tension. Okay, I'll stop. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just trying to look at it both ways. Like, it, it could, you know, there's something intimidating there's about There's heroes on both sides. No, I under, I think <sighs> that was, what you're saying, Robert, is it makes it, it makes it seem like the show itself is not going to tell you what's up, so you need to go somewhere else to find it. Right. And maybe most people would be okay with that. It would be like, ah, that's all right. It's in some other show, but I'm interested or not interested. And it's fine. Like, whatever it is. I'm just saying, like, for me, sometimes when I'm watching, when I'm getting into a new show, something I don't know everything about, you know, and they say, like, for example, like Game of Thrones, where I was watching Game of Thrones and I, you know, read the books a while ago. And then and people would say, oh, well, this is a reference to that. And that's a reference to this. I just be like, I and it's like, oh, you didn't really like I was like, that was kind of weird how that happened. And somebody would say, well, that's really what they're talking about is like there's something from the books that didn't make it into the show. But it, it, I guess it's still part of the universe. And you got to go back and read this chapter. And I'm just like, I can't. You know, to me, that's just like oh, homework. Great. You know, like nerd homework. I, I don't want nerd homework. But I don't know that I, like my response is necessarily the one that most people would have. <laughs> I think you, most I, people just take it or leave it. How without do you thinking even make it. it through the day, Robert? Hmm? All I wanted to do was suggest a few cartoons to watch. Hey, what's wrong with that? It's it, my crushing anxiety and neurosis just makes that into an impossible and baffling ordeal. Steel, I don't know how to like. This is what I'm saying. My mileage may vary. You know, it's. I think you're probably right. They would benefit from getting more people into the. You know, I, I think that's that's hopefully what they end up doing is like getting more Star Wars fans out there because because we need them. I just think and we'll stop talking about this after this, hopefully, that once you get to the end of a season and you're like, I could just imagine people go, oh, what was that? Oh, that's so cool. And then you 
like, I can't wait for next season. But then a little thing comes up and says, hey, if you want to find out more about this stuff that you've just been blown away by, how about this? How about that? I know I would, um, you know, I, I would like that. And then you could click on the thing and then I could watch that next. It'd be the, it'd be the best. I'd never leave my, t- my house. I'd have to. I know that when I finished watching like four and a half or whatever hours of the Irishman, like the next thing that showed up was like a conversation between the actors and director of the Irishman and explaining all the choices they made. And I was like, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I already committed to that much. I might as well see this through to the end. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you rather watch the Clone Wars or would you rather watch Filoni and Favreau sitting down and talking about the Darksaber? Uh, shoot me in the head <laughs> wow that's a strong I, I don't know I kind of I think um, I, I think Emily wants to be reprogrammed as a nanny droid <laughs> <laughs> make me a tea Emily so, should on. we go back to the beginning we kind of kind of are in grand uh, fashion of this show we're talking about the last like five seconds of the show all right the episodes the two scout troopers who have killed Kuehl, which is, uh, it's devastating, but I respect it, I, I, I have to say. Was, mm-hmm. what, what did you guys think about uh, Kuehl being uh, ultimately uh, R.I.P.? I think it was good to establish their stakes yes. in the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. We yeah, all... somebody needed to die. I didn't like seeing it, but I accept it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, it, the stakes, it, it got me... Oh, I was devastated. Jackie was devastated. It was it was it was brutal. Um, have captured the child. Travel to the rendezvous point near the Navarro settlement. This scene of them on the speeder bikes, and it shows Baby Yoda, Yoju, if you will, um, in the saddle, and then it shows his vision coming out of the bag. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not good at judging directors, but to me, that seems like some sweet directing. I I, I very much enjoyed Yo, Yoju Vision. Yoju V. I wonder if he's like a real like human infant where he can't actually focus on anything, and his like s- like s- sphere of attention is just like this big broad swath of things. Like you know, how, like you guys know that about infants. This is, I find this fascinating, but they can't. They don't focus on one thing at a time. No. They, their vision is more like it's more. It's like I've heard it described. It's not a flashlight. It's like a lantern, right? Because their whole point of of seeing things is is to get the context of and the relationship of various things to each other. So, I, I thought that was I don't know. It has nothing to do. I'm done. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wow. Uh, the first scout trooper contacts his commander via comlink and says they have brought the asset and are waiting further orders. The child is kept in the knapsack and tries to peep out, but the scout trooper slams him down. Very controversial. Ugh. A voice in the comlink tells him to double check because Moff Gideon has already landed and taken out a squad of rebel troopers. <laughs> now, this halfway through this conversation... And like, first of all, we have to acknowledge that the, the hitting of of Yoju was just—it was brutal, but it it, mm-hmm. it, it did um, it did. There was a, a great payoff, and they were setting up that payoff. But um, just the way it's scripted and the way it's performed, halfway through this, I was like, "This is the greatest Star Wars comedy sketch of all time." 
like this is so funny and and what makes it funnier is how like in like I just found it very ingrained into the universe and sort of showed how like the empire or people that were part of the empire had sort of fallen apart and gotten really slack and um you know a bit piratey but I just thought this was so well scripted so well performed and it kind of reminded me a little bit of troops but um yeah. like a much mm-hmm. more like polished version but i would I, I i find this the best star wars comedy since like clerks or something like that and i, I feel like i just hold that in high regard because it was the first time i heard people joking about star wars in that way but uh what, what did you guys think about um these two scout troopers the best of all the stormtroopers uh having a chat they, they were until this week's until this episode no i have to they, find i have to even, find some new favorites now, even better now. See what they did they're even better now these guys they, they, they weren't fit to wear the uniform tom that's that's true they weren't except except for the the hitting i could have watched a lot more of their back and forth and they're missing the can from three feet away i hated that part but go ahead I oh, know I liked it just because I know it's a bit on the nose with the missing stuff, but then one of their pistols stopped working and he sort of shook it, and that sort of like was a world that, that got me like a world building thing to say this isn't the like things are falling apart out here. This is sketchy. Yeah, I actually didn't notice the first time I watched the episode they were trying to hit something and they couldn't hit it at all. Um. So like it didn't actually bother me at, at all the first time because I didn't I didn't get that that part was a joke I was just like what are they doing? I, um, how do you mean Emily that it got you? What how do you mean? Oh no, as in like it's like made me laugh. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Jim yeah. shaking the gun <laughs> like I loved it. I mean these guys uh, it, it's it's Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally who are both very funny and the dialogue's great. I just like the troopers sitting around being bored, kind of yeah. like kicking their heels. And it also the way they accepted that people were getting killed and it, <laughs> and it, it sort of had like turned into like the mob sort of thing where like oh, someone's, you know, someone on our team, they did the wrong thing. So they got shot and it's like, well, that's what happens. Like I, I, I yeah. loved it. And it just established that they were like, they just want to, they just want to get by. They just want to keep their head down, keep their shitty job. And uh, ride around on the speeder bike. The, the the speeder bike effects, so good. It, it's so weird mm-hmm. seeing them not in a in the forest. But I'm very taken with all this. They're actually a good conveyance in this area because it's just salt flats, right, or something. So it's like yeah. nothing to slam into <laughs> accidentally. I I thought it was interesting how yeah that exactly that. That's kind of like one of the ongoing concerns is like, hey, if you work for the Empire. Like, you'll just get killed for basic, like, mistakes. And, you know, especially if you work for Vader, Vader just, you never know when he's going to kill you or not kill you. And these guys are kind of like, I, li- I love that line, the, the joke is probably improviser. He's like, I-, I got the point. Did you get the point? Oh. <laughs> like, when you stay in your lane, you know? That, that was a, <coughs> pardon me, that was the line where, when he said, oh, I'm getting the point, you get the point, whatever it was, that was when I was like, oh, this is... Like, it just kicked me in the face of, like, oh, this is just an amazing comedy sketch. So good. I, that's... Was, yeah. It's, I don't know why this particular moment got me, but when um, Adam Pally's stormtrooper is wanting to see the, the baby Yoda, and he's like, well, maybe maybe he needs water or something like that, and 
and Jason Sudeikis just gives us, oh my God. <laughs> and it's just the perfect spot on delivery. Second. And, oh my God. In the show, by the way, in the second in all of star Wars, right? Hmm. It was good, right? His, I mean, his it was aspiration funny. was amazing. And, and just like, regardless of your opinion about it, the, the, the pace of this compared to um, the rise of Skywalker is like, it's, oh. it's staggering how like, cause Jackie was like, oh, I like watching the show more. It's like, you can get it. Like you can get into it more. It's more relaxing. And um, yeah, I, I was always like wondering how Star Wars would, would translate to this sort of, you know, um, chapter format, but it's, um, like getting to have like lingering things like this is uh, it's, it's such a treat. Robbo, you had. Uh... I think I said it, and I said it on top of Emily, so I should probably just like leave it there. Oh no, Emily. I'm sorry. No, you did. I did. It. I did it to you. I'm apologize. I should say I'm sorry to you. Um, yeah, I don't like the oh my god though. Like I, I feel like that's this, Horatio Sand said it in the first episode, and I'm just like they don't say that in Star Wars. They say anything else that's it's your, your your x-men power is finding stuff in star wars not to like that i don't even notice it's it's <laughs> you can barely hear it and that's the thing i don't even know whether because when horatio sand says it, it doesn't show up in the subtitles okay it doesn't show up in like the closed captioning or whatever so i don't think it did in this one either it did it did yeah because i was watching it because i because i when i was watching it the second time i'm like did he actually just say that so i went back and rewatched it with the closed captioning on and he did I would King not. Tom, is that the first uh, oh. or is this, this show the first to do this? The, I I believe so. I don't recall. And you don't care, right? Like, It's not something that, I'm with that, Steel. That, this is not something that I... See, that that was Tom away. very politely saying he does not care. Like, like I don't recall. It's like I've... he remembers everything and he does not care to remember this. This is what he's saying. I find it less distracting than if they have some made up equivalent. Oh, like, that's I don't want to hear I don't want to hear oh my maker or anything like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're a droid, in which case it's appropriate, but yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. But the droid is fine. Only droids can believe in that religion. I don't I don't like speaking, it when demons reference the maker. Yeah. Speaking of droids, Robo. Oh. Nice transition. Thank you. Mm. IG eleven oh. appears identifying himself as the child's nurse and requests they hand him over. The second scout trooper recognizes IG-11 as a hunter droid, but the first trooper underestimates IG-11, dismissing him as a nurse droid. He tries to drive the droid away by firing a blaster pistol. However, IG-11 twists the first trooper's arm. Well, he snaps his wrist backwards. (laughs) He hyperextends it. It is hilarious. That is so funny. Did he hyperextend it in a twisting motion? I think it, well, not literally. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they, I don't know whether it's, it's kind of like what Donnie Yen does in, in Rogue One, where it's like, if he took what he did to the logical conclusion, Robo. he would be like ripping their arms out of their sockets, which is what you're supposed to think is happening. But he's not like, you can see him holding back just Robo. a little bit because he's, what? let's just go with twists. It was fine. Like, what are you talking about? I just thought it was cool looking. There. Isn't that better? Yes. That's great. Cool looking. And throws him to the ground. 
He grabs the second trooper by his helmet and then slams him against the steering vanes of the speeder bike in, and that hit my um, hyper violence that made me happy giggling thing that, that I do. <laughs> it was a good use of the bike. Oh, great use of the bike. And I was, um, oh, and this is just the best. After retrieving the child, he mounts the bike, apologizes the child for the violence he had to witness. <laughs> oh. So good. And I got the um, the pleasure of watching it and then Jackie watched it with me the second time and I knew how much those punches, which were pretty brutal to um, Yoju, how much she'd be annoyed and then how, like, she was cheering when the head was um, getting slammed against that and, and, and quite honestly could have uh, gone to see a few more rounds of the head smashing. Yeah, if he got a good stomp in right as he was making his way, his exit, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have complained. Well, that's why the, the Baby Yoda hitting is such a smart thing to have in there. Because otherwise, this scene is like shockingly violent for a couple of dudes who are just doing their job. But yeah. since they hit Baby um, Yoda, then it's really satisfying. Oh, yeah, it's it's such good writing in, in like basic. And come on, this is what we came for. It's pro wrestling metaphors in Star Wars. But you've got a headline wrestler, a headline character, IG-11, and you've got to um, get him into a battle with some low-level jobbers, as they call them. But to make it interesting, you make them so dastardly that the uh, the guaranteed uh, beat-up is so satisfying because you just want these idiots to get their ass kicked. And... It worked perfectly. I. It was so good. It was. I'm just. I'm. I'm in bliss with this episode, you guys. I'm in bliss. Uh, back at the Navarro Cantina, the Mandalorian, Cara Dune, and Grief Karga. Is it Karga? Am I saying that right? I believe so. Nice. A trapped by Moff Gideon and his stormtroopers. The Mandalorian convinces his companions that they should flee to the sewers where his clan has a covert uh, or a covert. Uh, while he searches for an access point, Kara and Grief watch Gideon's stormtroopers assemble an E-web heavy repeating blaster. Uh, the Mandalorian and Kara find a sewer vent underneath a seat. I was quite excited when they pulled out the little cases. I was like, oh, what are they going to pull out? And then when they pulled out that gun from Empire Strikes Back, good action. Good. That's that's the sort of connections that uh, I like. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it would, it's it would a kill logical connection. Said, it would kill me if they said, Sorry. this is the one we used on Hoth. But, um, and, and they were able to give, like, some backstory to it that fit in really well with Gideon's rant and, or not his rant, but his declaration of uh, who everyone's from. Uh, Gideon uh, knows that Kara is an old Iranian survivor who became a rebel shock trooper, which like in the storyline really explains like why when she found out that it was like an Imperial, they were going to fight. She was like, I'm in because, you know, old Iran and all that. Uh, he knows the Mandalorian's name is Din Djarin, who lived through the Siege of Mandalore and the Night of a Thousand Tears, where many Mandalorian recruits were mowed down by E-Web blasters. 
Gideon also appeals to Magistrate Grief Karga, urging him and his companions to lay down their arms and surrender. Gideon threatens to raise their structure in short order. Thomas, what did you think about all those backstories getting dropped on us? It filled out the characters a lot. I think that Kara being from Alderaan is a great touch, although her he said her full name, uh, and I don't remember what it was off the top of my it's head. Like Kara Synth or something? Kara, yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it, but it was just weird to hear for the very first time. And you kind it also at the same time made you want to know more about him. You could tell how serious he was by knowing everything he could about them. And you find out more about him later on. And it, it just pays off. It's it, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, Steel, with how the two troopers set up the WWE style fight with IG 11. Thank you. This, this continues that it, it sets up what's going to happen later, even better and gives us more backstory about these people we've been following all season long. Emily, you like this guy, right? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how do you rate this, uh, this, uh, part speech, part depraved rant? How do you rate it? I, if you're watching the podcast, it's worth going to YouTube to see Emily's face light up. <laughs> I mean, even, even though he killed, uh, space Werner Herzog, are you okay with him? Here's the thing is I was always expecting space Werner Herzog to die this season. Like, I, you know, I was hoping maybe he wouldn't, but I was always expecting it. I just, I didn't, I didn't think it'd be getting, I thought it would be the Mandalorian, but Giancarlo Esposito is so good at that cold, logical, bad guy speech. It's, it's just a joy to watch. It's a great, like creepy intense thing he's dropping all this knowledge about these people which is cool like those are the bad guys i like like the smart um and the and the fact that they they drop later that he's in the like the isb so that totally makes sense that that's the guy i would like and also he has a really nice cape i can't believe emily has a thing for isb agents it's (laughs) We should probably explain for the casuals out there or the semi-casuals what that means. That is the Imperial Security Bureau who are like the intelligence officers. It's also um, they do the Advanced Weapons Division, which is what uh, Krennic is the director of in Rogue One. I want to point out that this makes perfect sense that he would have death troopers because as far as we know, the death troopers are like a kind of skunk works program that only the the people affiliated with their, their like weapons research stuff would know, which is kind of how I, in my head explain why they have their own like special little stormtrooper helmets that look like they were designed by a completely different, you know, contractor, which I think is pretty cool. Like I like that, that they have like their own supply chains and stuff. Cause it may, to me just in my head cannon that just made him a lot cooler. Um, and when, uh, I love, Grief. Love the dude. Uh, when he, I loved how he goes, like, what are you proposing? Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> what assurances are you offering? And then um, Gideon warns that they cannot be trusted. 
uh, they've been proven untrustworthy. And he says the only assurance they have that they will he will only act in his self interest. Like that is, and I know I shouldn't, but because it was, um, oh my god, what's the character's name from Breaking Bad, Emily? Gus Fring. Gus. I'm like it's Gus. Like it's sort of I get. I don't know, just because he's, he's I'm so used to him playing these characters. And he plays them with such confidence, like such assuredness that it's like, oh, what a instantly, instant classic Star Wars character. Um, so very happy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Din says Moff, he knows it's Moff Gideon because um, he hasn't heard that name spoken since he was a child. Um there is some sort of nice sort of explanation uh, here of the Mandalorians where Kara explains that Mandalorians are not a place and Din clarifying it's a creed, which <laughs> do, you, do you think that's a, a pun for Apollo Creed or is that just... I a, did. Oh, God, no. That's a, that's a bit of a reach. I, no, joking, I'm joking. Right after that. Why so serious? Why so serious, everyone? Um, I was fine with it. Yeah, I love it. I, I thought it was a cool way of explaining the Mandalorians because it makes them less like creepy, like space Aryans, right? Yeah, I like that talk a lot better than when he was like, guns are my religion or whatever it was. <laughs> it was just like, ugh, that's a bit. That's a bit. I, I find it, Tom, do you find it interesting how much their version of the Mandalorians matches up with like the Knights of the Old Republic games version? Because all the stuff they talk about is from the, the that old part of the OU, as uh, you two call it. <laughs> it is a little bit weird how you have these two people who have been instrumental in every other canon uh, appearance of the Mandalorians. It feels like they're either ignoring it or there are things that have happened that they're not telling us and reverting back to that aspect or that depiction of the group. Because, I mean, the the idea of the Mandalorians as, like, elite soul, like Boba Fett is a member of this group, and his armor was worn by people who, like, helped Darth Vader wipe out the Jedi and stuff. That's from the oldest of old canon sources, mm-hmm. uh, like comic books and stuff from the 80s. And that's probably the stuff that, you know, John Favreau was, was reading, and that's probably kind of what inspired him partly to make this show when he was kind of doing the I don't know what he was story treatments or something back in the 90s so I'm not surprised by it at all but I I, but, I, I find it weird because it's like it is very different than what you see in the cartoons and he acted in those cartoons right so he's aware of it right so I'm, I'm hoping we'll find out more next season I like I like just pretending the cartoons didn't happen and you can just like <laughs> you want you want to go back to the city of bone and every Mandalorian having an Irish accent, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, it's better than them having this weird hereditary New Zealand accent that somehow <laughs> passes down through their genes. Robbo wants like at the end of the Mandalorian, the suggestion for you what to watch next. Nothing. There's nothing. It There's nothing else. That's nothing it. else exists. Use your imagination, kids. <laughs> Look, the Clone Wars is is a like a perfectly cromulent show. Like, there's nothing. There's like it's it's good stuff, and I think kids especially can get a lot out of it. And I don't. I, the only thing I don't like about the way they treat Mandalorians is that they make it this like racial thing. 
And and that's exactly why Uncle George said, oh, yeah, Django Fett and Boba Fett, they aren't real Mandalorians because the real Mandalorians are all these like blonde people. I just think that is uncool. <laughs> like, and not like why? And this is cool because it's like, yeah, if Yoju uh, doesn't yes. uh, like reaches like the age of majority, whatever that would be, like 250 or something um, like, you know, the Mando's long, like distant ants, like, you know like his great great grandchild or somebody will have to train it and like build a little tiny helmet and you know like that's the that that is the way right this is the way. i like that and i like that their their whole their a big part of their code is based around like foundlings right where we're a warrior race but we have to recognize that like to do nothing but but to to wage war and that's our whole reason for being like you're going to create a lot of orphans <laughs> so maybe you need something in place that sort of helps you sleep at night and like yeah we'll adopt. By death watch that's amazing death watch is that who that was yep yeah it's a little, uh, well i didn't notice it when the first time i watched it but i did see on twitter that the the sigil on the mandalorian who picks him up with the rocket pack and take it away that's the that's the death watch sigil a W looking thing on the left arm. Ah, so it, it, it is trying to blend these two things together then. Cause that's, that's a, you would only know about that from the cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's what, uh, we're up to. Yeah. They have the flashback and we finally get the, the full scene of him getting put down the hole where all good star Wars children are put. And <laughs> the, um, I, I I sort of think this is my only complaint about this episode is this segment looks like like Starbucks going to come out and save the day. It, it's very Battlestar Galactica. Like the battle droids, the super battle droids are quite Battlestar Galactica, but then one of the ships sort of had a, a red face. It was a flying saucer. Did anybody else see that? Yeah. It was a literal flying saucer. It's from the Clone Wars. Ah, is that it? That type of ship. Ah. What is it? It's hideous. Agreed. D- didn't that seem weird? It's like, what is that? It's a disc. It's, it, it is a disc, but it has a protuberance on one side. Well, that's okay. cool that it's back from the coin wars, but the whole, the whole scene just, it, I felt like I was watching Battlestar, but, uh, and then he gets put down the hole and in a glorious moment, a laser bolt hits the uh, the battle droid, then another one hits it, and then it's a Mandalorian looking down, and he gives the little hand, the little "come with me" sort of thing. Electric guitar. It was <laughs> could have done without that. Oh, uh, I nah. I, I was like, I was there doing. I was like, bow, wow, bow, I was struthersing it up. I was loving it. <laughs> I um I, I I was thrilled. How how Emily? How did you feel with how um you know we we'd sort of theorized of you know I, I I was going with Yoda, you know, to uh, make him uh, make the Mandalorian very friendly to the uh, the Yoju. But uh, how did you feel the seeing it all play out? I I had guessed it was going to be the armor, and I was slightly disappointed that it wasn't. But knowing that it's Death Watch and the possibilities that that opens up we're gonna actually get some talk about them maybe next season make you very excited can either of you kind of refresh me on what death watch is okay well in the clone wars at least when um what's her name satine 
mm-hmm. had taken over like as the leader of Mandalore. It was Mandalore is going to be neutral now and peaceful. And there was this old guard of Mandalorians who wanted to go back to being the warriors they once were. And that was Death Watch. Did they say like this is the way and stuff like that? No, this is mostly they yell Death Watch a lot. And they okay. were they were the villains, so it's really weird to see them here as the heroes who saved the day. Yeah, they were like the militant Mandalorians who weren't willing to evolve for peaceful methods during so the Cold Did they stand they ch- out the front of public events with the yellow signs trying to recruit people? I'd assume so, yeah, from the sounds of it. Hmm, okay. We didn't I don't think we saw that in the Clone Wars. Okay. I can't stand that. But they they were the ones that joined up with Maul, right, Emily? Yeah, I think so, because that's Vizsla, isn't it? Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But it was, uh, I tell you, the surprise thing that this, this little segment did for me, a huge Star Wars thing. This is what the redemption is. This is what the redemption is. This scene redeems jetpacks for me. <laughs> I, I, like, like how they all landed, that was the proper way. Like, that was like the proper non-misuse of jetpacks. And then when little Din jetpacked up in the sky, I, that, like, as that was happening, I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm pro jetpack now. Uh, I, you've, you've, you've won me over just with that. So, Steel, is it like as long as the camera stays like no more than a foot away from the jetpack, is that how it works? Because like, if you see a long shot of it, then it's just like some person flying in the air. Because like, that's the only difference I can think of. I just liked it. I just, I just liked that the kids got jetpacked out. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> and I love seeing all the other Mandos land down. And like when the one guy landed, started shooting, and then like sort of signaled for um, the other Mando to take Din up in the air. I was, I was, that was so cool. That was really cool. Do you wonder whether they like? Is that like a? They're like obligated to save the orphans, right? So. But they also love to fight and kill. So is it kind of like a bummer when you're a Mandalorian and you like open up a bunker and you find some like orphaned kid and you're like, damn it, I've got to fly this kid away. I'm going to have to train it, take care of it. No, you're going to. Maybe I should just shoot it. No, you're going to. You you think that happens? You're going to. So negatively, it's like you get you get to have your cake and eat it, too. You have your war, you kill a few people and then you look after their kids. It's perfect. (laughs) There's some baby robot out there that they're taking care of. Yeah. Uh, and then, yes, IG-11 to the rescue. Um, the Mandalorian con- contacts Quill on 
his Conwink only be greeted by IG-11, who has the child. IG-11 tells the Mandalorian that Kiel has been terminated, but clarifies he's fulfilling his base structure to nurse and protect. IG-11 rides his bike into the Nevada settlement, gunning down the Stormtrooper and Scout Troopers sentries stationed at the gate. He then rides through the streets of the settlement, gunning down Stormtroopers with his twin blasters, including two were haggling with a local Jawa. This was such a ridiculous thing to watch <laughs> on my television. And my joy was only met by Yoju's as he cried with laughter. I too was crying with laughter when I think this was part of this bit when he like swiveled Yoju around to the back to like <laughs> oh, to shield so him. Yeah. Um, I was, it's just, it's ridiculous. This IG. 11 or IG droid this like think about it six months ago this this type of droid all it did swiveled its head <laughs> yeah just moved its head around that's it <laughs> now it's on a speeder bike and I love how they make the animation kind of like a little bit fake looking like it looks like almost stop motion to me I don't oh, know what do you guys think it's yeah. the best I love it this is a great example of if you had told me about this scene before the show was on, my reaction would have been, oh, man, I'm going to hate this show. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be an IG droid on a speeder bike with a baby strapped to him. <laughs> a baby Yoda, no less. Yes. A Yoju, if you will. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just... It just, it's so good. It's so fun to watch. It's a great scene. Again, just some real top-notch violence going on. <laughs> First rate. Yeah, I agree. Oh, my God. It was, it was, ah, oh, so did, did he, very good. Did, did anybody else find it kind of, like, weirdly refreshing how at a certain point they're like, oh, we've killed all the stormtroopers. They're all out of stormtroopers. That's it. Like that, I don't think that's ever happened in Star Wars before. Where it's like, oh, we've killed the the requisite number of stormtroopers. There are no more stormtroopers here. We're done, right? It it never can happen because in every other every other time you see them, it's like they're a limitless supply of stormtroopers, mm, right? Yeah. I thought that was cool. Like that was like a good way of like, hey, these guys are on their last legs. I, you know, I I get the feeling that. They they went through this script so many times because I I just find everyone's motivations reasons they can and cannot do stuff like like quite watertight and well thought out and especially over um the the, the course of the show like if you like a a cool little callback is when or, or like a, not a callback but a, a setup is. I think it's in the second episode, maybe, or the third. But Yoju tries to reach his hand out to the Mandalorian when he's hurt, and the Mandalorian sort of blows him off. Right. And he was, you know, then you later on work out that, oh, he was trying to do the healing thing on him. Like, mm-hmm. like just things like that. It's like, it's, it's so, re- <sighs> like, it's so rewarding. Um, and, and, you know, I, obviously, I, I go lighter on it because Star Wars, and I, I like it. I love it, but it's so rewarding to have, like, I love like Succession, like a show that you can, 
like it actually pays off to like like the little nuggets if you want sort of pay off and then Jackie's watching it with far less intensity and it's also one of her favorite shows. Yeah, yeah, my wife likes it too and she's not a super fan of Star Wars. Like she'll go see every movie when it comes out and that's it and she never thinks about it again. And uh any excuse probably... to get a Snake Mountain, am I right? <laughs> I'm, uh, I can't. I can't improve upon that. I'll let somebody else take over. <laughs> <laughs> that giggle is quite skeletal, man. It's good. Thank you. Um, I did love my my rosebud uh, Australian roots coming out when he got into the like the center of the city, and he jumped off the speeder bike and let it just smash. In 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 rosebud would call that a ghosty where you jump off your bike and let it keep riding. And he ghosted it so well into a, a sweet, sweet explosion. Uh, at the same time, all this is going down. A death trooper manages to blow open the cantina's door with a detonator and they storm the cantina, but Kara duns, guns them down. Moff Gideon corners the Mandalorian. And this is just some badass stuff. Uh, shoots the uh, the box of ammunition, which explodes and wounds Din, and you know that sort of stuff. It's like it's so like he can't shoot the the Beskar, so he shoots that, and that sort of separates. Like it's just it's so well plotted out. I, I wish they would have had him shoot it at least three times because it's otherwise it's like wait you've got this gun and then you you've got a gigantic crate that will explode with one shot. Oh, yeah, you need like but you only need one good shot. Like, John, I, mean, I guess he would know like exactly where to hit it, but still, like that's. I, think, I just felt like two yeah, shots would at least make it feel like he's were... the moth for a reason. <laughs> I know exactly where to shoot these fake space crate things. No, but it's not even a case. I don't think, and like also, like I, 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 I watch this stuff. Like I want it to work out. Like if I can work out a way that it works. Like I think if you just hit the box, like you're done. I guess I'm just thinking like from my never mind. I don't know. I just I'm just saying like if he would if he would have had to hit it twice, it would have made it feel like it's not like a a a powder keg that that they designed this supposedly the most deadly weapon in the galaxy. The way he talks it up, and it's like oh yeah, but if you shoot the gigantic ass box next to it, it will explode and kill everything in the area. It's not that great of a weapon. Well, um, how what do they have to do to destroy the Death Star? I mean, they're not always great with the planning see, of the see, things. That's different because no, no, I no. saw it when I was very little, Emily. Oh. Therefore, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but see, I I kind of find that sort of thing is you're looking for problems. Do you know what I mean? That that's well, it's it's more of a it's not like that. It's like a practical thing where I'm just like, whoa, why would you have something that explosive? Like, it, it's it's not like I'm. It's to me, it just raises the question. But th- I don't. It didn't look. It didn't keep me up at night. Steel. I'm. I'm happy to move on. I just was curious whether anyone else was like, "Whoa, that was, that was easy." <laughs> no, that, that's every action movie of all time. So it doesn't bother me. True. True. It, I mean, it didn't. I don't know whether it bothered me. I just thought, like, like you also have to understand, Robo. It's it's a scene where they they all came out like a, a cheerleading squad in perfect formation, and then waited for the the guy to land his Tie Fighter, and it made a pretty pattern. It's, um, yeah, yeah. There's a, it's funny how some of these things, like, they stand out to me and some of them don't. What I like about it is, like, the coolness of uh, Moff Gideon where he's just, like, behind him. He's like, oh, he's occupied. 
I've got time. I can take my, I can take my time to aim out this shot. And he like, you, you know, like there's there's a breathing space, even in that intense scene where you can see him like, oh, shooting him is not a good idea. I'll shoot that thing. Hmm. It, like which is you were comparing it earlier to Rise of Skywalker or, or Jackie was. It's like that's exactly what that movie did not could not do. And it, it, it's exhausting. Whereas this feels more a little bit more like proper star Wars to me where it feels like there's a, a chance to understand it's all fake space logic. None of it really makes sense, but you can see that it makes sense to the characters. There's a chance to kind of digest what's happening on screen. And, and I really appreciate that about this show. I would like to make an apology to the listeners and to the art of acting as a whole, that I was very remiss not to uh, reflect on when there was the standoff, Grief Karga doing shots. Oh, yes. Desperately <laughs> in the bar. Just, it was so, like, Carl Weathers is so, like, I don't know if he's like a really bad actor or the best actor ever or like, but when you wrap him around that 80s sort of action motif or like I, whenever he talks on the show, I feel like I'm watching a 90s video game and I'm in love with it. But the shots, amazing. And he just, he just kept throwing them back. I thought that was great. He goes back for like two or three. It was, it was character development. And what you were saying about the way he talks, I love his delivery of every line he has in this show. Mando, the best. Some of my favorite people are bounty hunters. He actually has my favorite line in the entire series um, at the end, but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for the end. Don't forget. I want to know. <laughs> it's um, very good. Now, the, the story just, just keeps getting better. Moff Gideon orders his forces to burn him out inside the cantina. Kara attends to the wounded Mandalorian who has suffered, suffered sorry, injuries. Grief can convinces IG-11 to help by unsealing the grate. Din tells Kara to leave him and rebuffs her attempts to remove his helmet. He tells her to protect protect the child and show his tribe his mythosaur necklace and explain that the child is under his protection. Kara thinks they can make it. Now, call me a sucker. Call me a mark. <laughs> I thought this was it for the Mandalorian. I, I was... I actually was concerned for the Mando. Um, Emily, I- were you fooled? <sighs> there was a moment where, where I'm just like, I, I don't think that this is that show, but man, wouldn't it be amazing if it were that show? Not that I want the Mandalorian to die, but just the pure ballsiness of it would have been real impressive. Mm. Would uh, Cara Dune take over then, I guess? Yeah. I'd watch that. Me too. <laughs> I, thought it w- I thought it was possible. I don't think I was as concerned as Steel, but I definitely thought it was possible. Oh, we'd, we just lost Kiel. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm rocked. But once you get rid of Ugnolty, I don't know. I don't, like, for me, all bets are off because that's the one character I would save. Even even Yoju could just be hucked off a cliff for all I care, as long as Ugnolty rides again. <laughs> I actually um, loved when Ugnolty and Yoju were together because those two characters together is Yoda. 
And so when when they were like, <laughs> wow, don't you think? No, you're right. I just it didn't occur to me. That's exactly what they are. Like it's just it's like they've split Yoda into two characters, and when they were together, like it was it was. I felt so soothed because, like, like Kiel was so, like, I love, like, characters that have a code and have, like, honour. Like, but they, like, yeah, I just, I, I loved how down by the line it was like, like, Jackie was sort of like, oh, I've got this, I hope, like, it would break my heart if I can't trust uh, the Ugnaught. And oh, yeah. I, I was just like, how, like... If the Ugnor, if 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 Kuehl had a turned, I, I think I would have cried. It would have it would have rocked my. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. have handled a turn from. Like I loved how dependable he was, and as he was the, um, you know, sort of brought on to look after Yoju, he sort of reminds me of my daycare lady, and I have I've put <laughs> I have put a similar faith. In- I bet she would love to hear that. <laughs> You remind me of a tiny pig man played by Nick Nolte. But I mean it in the nicest possible way. I can't think of a higher compliment as far as I'm concerned. Like that's... <laughs> um, so uh, a red-striped incinerator stormtrooper who's equipped with a flamethrower approaches the cantina... Uh, Love how he walked out. He kind of reminded me of the uh, the Master Blaster from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> Everyone, we don't need another hero. Um, the Mandalorian wants to hold off the Imperials so that the others can escape. Kara refuses to leave him. Uh, the Incinerator Stormtrooper enters the cantina, but the child uses the Force to deflect the flames back at the trooper, driving him out. I'm going to echo Emily's comment before that on paper at the start of this series sounds brutal. A baby Yoda, a Yoju, if you will, force deflaming a room and sending it back. But I found this one of... like It was a classic Star Wars moment. I was... So taken. Anyone with me? Yes. Oh, for sure. What about you, Chatterbox? <laughs> Sorry, your teeth are still going. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> God, I was. I think I was in a different mood to Robbo when I watched this, just quietly. Um... Incinerator, Stormtrooper, okay, blows up. Um, IG-11 kicks the grate open. Kara, the child, and uh, grief retreat inside the grate. Kara makes IG-11 promise to bring Din. The Mandalorian asks IG-11 to kill him, but the reprogrammed droid points out that he's now a, nor- a nurse droid rather than a killer. He convinces a reluctant Din to let him remove his helmet on the grounds that he's not a living being, which was... A little bit, uh, like, if I'm going to quibble a little bit, I feel like the Mandalorian should have said, no one can see my face, and then IG-11 says, no, no living thing can see. Like, when the Mandalorian said, no living thing can see my face, right? it kind mm-hmm. of, 
projected what was about to happen. Yeah, it definitely calls that line, but I I can I can excuse, I can make an excuse for it, which is it sounds like he is reciting oh, a lot of okay. like a creed there and we know that the Mandalorians like their like sayings. Love their creeds. Can't get enough of uh, them. Is it is so it's like uh what are their saying? That's a good way of looking at it, actually. Hmm. Yeah. What are their sayings, though? There's, there's, uh, this is the way. Well, it seems like that would be like the ending of every part of the prayer or whatever it is, right? Like, to the left, mm-hmm. Lord, to hear the our right. prayer or something. But you're saying again. this is the way. Well, also, I mean, just the whole, the whole way the armor lady speaks later on, with you know that you are like, a, like unto a father of whatever the the exact mm. line is there. It's all very. Um, I don't even quite know what the word I put. Like, flowery makes it sound like I'm saying it's bad, which is it not. It sounds quite almost what I mean. liturgical, perhaps. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the word that I wanted. I think that's cool. I know some people don't like the kind of fantasy esque elements getting added to Star Wars, and I I get that, but I I really like the idea that every culture has its own culture, and you just don't know about it because the movies and TV shows and stuff don't always have time to show it to you. But in this one you got to kind of make the Mandalorians into something. They can't just be like action dudes. They, they have to have some kind of belief system. I, I like that. I really, I don't know. I, I thought that I'm glad you saved that line for me. Cause I thought that was kind of pathetic. And then, yeah, okay. He's, he's uh, reciting uh, Mando scripture. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, Again, with the Mandalorian sort of giving in to IG-11, very much love that. I thought that was real cool. And then, uh, and also the, uh, the very cool line of you've got a damaged central processing thing or something, and the Mandalorian says, my brain, and he said, that's a joke. It's my bedside <laughs> manner. Um, what did you guys think about... Um, seeing Din's face, Pedro's face. It was nice to finally see it, and it it was only fitting because we've seen time and time again that he's not, for as good a warrior is, he's not invincible, and he does make mistakes, he does lose. And it's kind of fitting that the first time we see it, it's he's near death, and he looks like he lost almost everything. Yeah, I... Like I, I, I got in this really weird place because he wasn't like it wasn't actually him for a lot of the scenes. It was like a stunt person. Mm-hmm. So, and then not knowing if they were going to reveal his face and it'd be him. Although I had, I, I sort of guess pressed on it. I'd think they would, but yeah, I wonder now if I go back and watch the uh, the rest of the series. Like if I think about it, it's it's him under there all the time. But I thought it was it was really well done, um, and it was something that I was thinking about. Like we we sort of apart from who's the cape person and why you're wearing the masks all the time. I, I feel like everything that we sort of those sort of fan questions, like his name and face like a lot of that stuff was um answered by the end of the series or end of this season which is very 
satisfying. But the 11, IG-11 removes Din's helmet and applies it back to spray to treat his brain injuries. Um, then they hit the tunnels. They uh, have to find the Mandalorians to get out back to the ship. And I think, let's see... They head to the uh, the Mandalorian's coven, and then the armorer reveals herself when the Mandalorian is yelling at Grief Karga for um, blaming him for the mercenaries killing all the Mandos. And there was that pile of all the the Mando helmets and stuff, which I'm glad that the armorer was there because I was sort of like, so you kill them all. And then you undress the corpses and, and, and chuck their armor. But so, so I was glad that that was sort of explained because that seemed pretty sick. But um, the return of the armorer was uh, dope. She's so cool. And I loved at the end of all that. Oh, she gets the jetpack. And I loved at the end of her scene, like... I thought it was going to do the trope where the the spiritual advisor was just going to stand there and and take death honorably, but then she's like, "Nah, dog, yeah, you're, you're all dying." And <laughs> I could I, kill the ten of you with a monkey wrench if I want to. Oh, that was like after that, like all like she just destroyed. I think it was like six troopers. That that mm-hmm. that, that got a uh, a round of applause from me on the couch. I was I was very happy. <laughs> When the one goes into her little, like, metal melting thing. Yes. And, like, the one gets smashed in the face, and you see it, like, actually smash. (laughs) And the little bits of Stormtrooper helmet fly out. Ah, so good. (laughs) I hope she made something cool out of that dude who fell into her furnace. What are you going (laughs) to make, Tupperware? That'd be pretty, like, yeah, I, I, you know, the, the way she would look at it is these weren't true warriors, so I'm going to use this to make, like, you know, Tupperware. Sporks. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, You're what, gonna, yeah. What, what, what was the thing, the, um, what was the, the training that he took, the, the soaring flamingo or the something? The rising phoenix. Rising phoenix. Ah, oh, I thought my one was, I, th- I think I really ash, um. Ash. Yeah, that that's, out. that's the morning emu or whatever. <laughs> But um, it was cool that he got his, his jetpack because now I'm pro jetpack. Do you know what I mean? Forever. And, and, no matter what. And the jetpack got even cooler by the end of the episode. So this, is, this has been huge. It's been huge for me. Um, then where they go through? Is this when they... I, yeah, the Stormtroopers come in. Then they're on the Lava River which was super cool. Um, the, the fact that the, the gondola droid <laughs> is singing a little song as he pushes them along delighted me to no end. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, he's doing a little gondolier ditty. So I, I like the way that they, like at first when I saw the R2 unit that was driving like the, the, the space taxi in the first episode, I was like, Man, that's not what R two units are for. They don't do that. You know, that's like a waste. That's like putting like a supercomputer to drive a space taxi. It doesn't. It's not. They're there to to calculate routes through hyperspace. They're supposed to be really, you know, expensive 
cool machines. But then I was like, wait a second, like the war is over. Like, wh- what do what happens to these things? They they use them for other stuff. And I like that. It's like not only did they do that, it's like, hey, we've got a really heavy, slow moving boat. Like, let's let's take this uh, piece of high tech you know, war machinery and turn it into <laughs> give us some legs and arms and it's gonna it's gonna drive the boat. I thought that was really cool. And uh is the pink a uh, reference to that one uh fan made uh R2? No, that uh, R two KT. I think she's she in Rogue One? She's in one of the films, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's the one Star Wars actor I've met in person, so I uh I was hoping it was her, but okay. Um, that droid did make me want to eat pasta. I will have to <laughs> give him that. And I, I did just have penne, so uh, I satisfied my needs. Thank you, droid. Um, I thought the, the gondola thing, it reminded me of if they built Willy Wonka's chocolate factory on Mustafa. <laughs> so, um, again, again, with the, um, just the plotting things out, they're, they're about to reach the mouth of the lava river when, um, the Mandalorian uses his little sweet visor, his little tea helmet to work out. There's a bunch of stormtroopers there. And then IG 11, uh, states his manufacturer's protocol says he cannot allow himself to be captured uh, before blowing himself up and they work out that's the only or he works out that's the only way that he can make sure that the uh, the child is safe and there's this very interesting conversation where IG-11 sort of says to the Mandalorian that you're sad or something like how, I can't remember how that's worded exactly but um like the Mandalorian is actually trying to convince him not to kill himself, which is pretty cool. I, I love that. It's kind of like a callback to like where he says no living thing can see me is because at that point it's kind of your tip off also that he already sees IG-11 as a real person. Hmm. And he just doesn't know uh-huh. it yet. And at this point it's like, no, don't die. Like, we'll figure something out. <laughs> like it's, it's droids in Star Wars exist to allow the characters to learn something new about themselves, right? They're great. Did I? It, uh, I know Steel won't have anything to say about this, but Emily or Tom, did either of you get some Isaac Asimov vibes in his conversation with the Mando, IG Eleven, and the Mando? Oh, oh, definitely. Because he's he's even talking about like the the order in which his rules apply. Yeah, he's telling mm-hmm. him how to cheat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, you've you've alienated me from the conversation. Can you explain the question? Well, don't worry. There'll be a uh, post episode show where it'll tell you where all my references come from. You'll feel great about it. Read iRobot. Okay. So, Tom, can you explain it to him then? There are other people who could do it a lot better Emily, than I can am. You explain but, it to <laughs> well, there, there's the the asthma of the the set up the three rules of robotics. Oh, got you. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. All right, I know. I, I, I'm just I'm, yeah, and all, all the stories steal are about like the ways that those rules operate in unexpected circumstances, and so the idea that he's got a primary function and a secondary function, and he's got like standing orders from the manufacturer, 
and he's telling the Mando like how to cheat and make this work. So if you tell me that you can take care of the child, yeah, gotcha. I will be able to do this. Mm. And if I go there, then I will have no choice but to explode, which is great. And it ties into that first episode. I love that so much. It is perfect. It is perfect. Um, so after the Stormtroopers are blown up by IG-11, RIP, um, Moff Gideon circles them in his Outland TIE Fighter. Oh, my God. Have you, have you guys heard of this Outland designation before? Not me. No, but I really liked the way the the model, and I'm guessing from the presentation we got at Celebration that it was a model and not CGI, but I, I liked the way it looked in the atmosphere here. Oh, it was so cool. Um, the, outline, and- the Outline TIE Fighter was a class of TIE line starfighters that was used by an Imperial remnant after the fall of the Galactic Empire during the New Republic era. Otherwise, congruent with the appearance of the standard tie, the outland tie's wings folded when landing. Also, other ones didn't land like that, allowing for easy no. access to the cockpit and creating a distinctive form not dissimilar to that to the X-wing fighter with its S-foils enclosed position. Well, there oh, you go. So they cool. don't all land like that. It's a special um, one if you don't have a landing pad. It's interesting, too, because I think there's like a... Tom, you might remember this. Am I imagining this or was there some kind of OU source about uh, how TIE fighters should not land on their wings or their whatever, those the, the fins? That sounds familiar because they were the solar energy collectors and landing on them would damage them or something like that. But I believe we've seen in, in Rebels them landing in Imperial Star Destroyer hangar bays sitting on their wings basically and then this was first seen in concept art for the force awakens with folding wings that all that allowed it to land at ground level oh, that's cool interesting but yeah when it landed that was, that was how cool pretty how sweet. cool is it how they like do also more like kind of subtle storytelling where they're trying to tell you that oh the empire is really in dire straits where the bad guys like secret cool weapon is just a regular like basically a regular tie fighter that right? can land well i mean yeah but it's yeah. it's like that's that's he doesn't have like some super awesome like you know, special ship all of his own. He's got like what every other, like, you know, the, the throwaway ships. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, but in that context, it's great. And I loved how this paid off that thing that we saw in the Rogue One trailer, never saw in the Rogue One movie, um, where you get the size difference between a human being and a TIE fighter. I, I always loved that um, mm-hmm. shot. And I thought this was like a even better. What do you guys think? I mean, I thought it was really cool. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> analyze it quite so much because this, this sh- like, honestly, knowing the difference, and this is not, this is not like at Raw. This is anything with the ships. That's so it's like, though. I can't, I can't with the ships and the telling differences between the different models of ships. I just go, ooh, it's a Tie Fighter. That's cool. Well, that's yeah, good. That's I, in so many words. That's exactly what I was saying. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I've I've just got the episode playing. I didn't notice in those lava tunnels. There's little lava rats. Do you guys remember the lava rats? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got lava rat fever. They're like weasels. 
Um, so yeah, he Muff Gideon circles him and he's outlined Tie Fighter and strafes them. Before he returns for a second round, Grief tries to get the child to use his force. Power. <laughs> <laughs> this is written so dry. Grief tries to get the child to use his force powers, with the child unable to do so. He waves. He waves back at him. What does he well, say? I have like, a lot do of your, ideas. Do your little hand wavy thing or something. I, I saw... Um, the magic hand thing. Yeah, magic hand thing. Carl Weathers <laughs> tweeted that out the other day and I was like, ah, oh, such an infatuation with that guy. Um, he's so good. Uh, the Mandalorian ignites his jetpack and pursues the TIE fighter. He uses his grappling cable to latch onto the TIE fighter and the redemption of jetpacks continues. <laughs> so excited. Unable to force his way into the cockpit, he tries to plant a detonator, but Moff Gideon shakes it off. He plants a second detonator on its left joint, causing the ship to spiral out of control and crash. I thought that the way it was edited and the shots changed, it really like conveyed... Like, I really thought that Gideon was in the TIE fighter and the Mandalorian was on his wing. Not that it was, like, a set of separate shots. Do you know what I mean? Like, like take, like, Attack of the Clones. I never really think anyone's in one of those gunships sort of thing, like when they're flying around uh, Geonosis. But the way this was edited together, I I really... It gave me a a good sense of where everyone was. Spielberg-esque, I would say. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, I had a sense of where everyone is, was. I thought it, I thought it looked really cool the way they did it. It, it was interesting that we've gotten two separate pieces of Star Wars media that each had a Tie Fighter crash because someone did something to the one of the wings. I wonder if that was planned or not. But I liked it. What's the other one? I'm blanking. Rise of Skywalker. Ray cuts off. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. It's coming together to form me now. It's coming. Even though the wings cannot possibly provide any lift <laughs> for the TIE fighter, somehow cutting one off. I, I guess it would just imbalance it, right? Like I, th- I think it was, uh, in that sense, I got that it was a balance thing here. I think the explosion caused the engines to, 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 to malfunction. You know why I think this, this works so well? Is that like, and this is something Star Wars needs to do more of where the characters need to show you need to show the character failing at first and struggling to get something to work because then you understand that, oh, this is not an easy thing to do, right? You're referring to the fact that the first detonator didn't work, yeah. Like, he he tries to get it on there, he tries to get the stick, and it ends up just like it doesn't stick and it just flies off into the distance and explodes. I thought that and, was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah that's that's like a Spielberg thing. Like you see it in like even like the lesser movies that he does, like Temple of Doom, for example. You see, there's a lot of that where it shows like Indy like struggling to do something and failing at first, and so you get an idea of what's going to go wrong if he doesn't. It just ratchets up the tension. I love that. I wish the movies could have more time for that these days. Yeah. I um. Did anyone else just just going back a little bit when IG Eleven? Was doing his little walk through the lava, um, getting a f- getting a few Terminator Two Judgment Day flashbacks. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So so good. Um, so yeah, the Tie Fighter crashes. Uh, Din rejoins his comrades. Grief Karga is impressed with the Mandalorian's combat, 
and it says his kill rates has just gone up. Um, I don't think he says kill rates. I think he says his um, guild guild rates. rates yeah. Which I was, I just thought was just a real funny line. Like, I think it's even funnier that he goes like, "But you know, hey, take a vacation, and then when you're ready and all rested up, you come back. You'll be back in business. Everything's good between you and me." I was like, <laughs> "How do you know what he's gonna do?" Um. Yeah, so Kara says uh, that she's going to stay with Grief uh, to make sure that the town is cleaned up. Uh, Grief says Navarro is a nice place with the scum and villainy washed away. Um, <sighs> Grief wants to recruit Kara into his guild, but she has clerical concerns. Grief says the Mandalorian with- will be welcome back to the guild with open arms. Sorry, Robbo? No, I was, I was just going to oh. say that one line confused me because she, she says something about her clerical number and then grief says if you work for me that will be the least of your concerns which to me sounds like a threat of some sort <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah that's not that's not maybe the way to word it yeah okay i'm glad i'm not the only one there well it's more like you're gonna be doing dangerous shit but i'll take care of your i'll give you a fake social security number if that's okay, what you're yeah. asking about like i'll yeah yeah that was interesting that was the <laughs> It's at least your problems, lady. Um, oh man, yeah, maybe not the best, uh, best word. <laughs> Just quietly. Um, this is my moment. Kara uh, touches the child's left ear, uh, and I, I have admired over the last couple of episodes how fuzzy his little ears are. Very good. Uh, and tells the Mandalorian to take care of the young one. And then Grief says, He may just look after you. And that. Please never, ever do that again. (laughs) I'll take a thousand Yojis over that. Oh, Robert. Everyone laugh. Everyone laugh. Everyone laugh. You guys are so mean. Here's me opening my heart on the podcast. <laughs> Shut down. Don't, don't have me on for those. <laughs> well, when he said that, it reminded me of my little boy, Harry. And I cried because it was just like, oh, he does look after me. It's so good. And it was a very nice moment at the end of my perfect Star Wars episode. Thanks for trotting on it. Thanks for spitting on it, Skeletor. Nothing. Can't let anyone be happy. Grumpy snake mountain villain of beast man. <laughs> I made two other people happy. Yeah, I was going to say you two aren't much much better. It um, was a nice moment. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, this was funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Mandalorian returns with the child to his ship. Um, he buries his fallen friend Kuehl in the cockpit. The Mandalorian allows the child to keep his mythosaur necklace. The razor crest departs into space with that music in the background. Hype! And uh, the razor crest departs into space while Grief and Kara walk past the end 
perfect conclusion to a great season of The Mandalorian. But then, Jawas are attempting to salvage Moff Gideon's wrecked high Outlander fire tar. However, they are startled by a laser cutting a hole through the wrecked ship. Moff Gideon cuts his way out of the fighter with the Dark Saber. And on Wikipedia, no surprise, that is a link. That is a linked word. A symbol of Mandalorian power and authority. Directed by Waka Titi. What an episode. What an episode. Um, just superb. I, I would have been very satisfied if... Um, I thought it was just going to be Moff Gideon popping out and declaring a Inspector Gadgerest-esque <laughs> revenge, Dr. Claw. But, um, nah, glow knife. Reverse black glow knife. Popping it open. And it, it does, the effect does look quite ridiculous. <laughs> but the way, um, the way Giancarlo sells it and stands on top of that TIE fighter... Shades of Darth Vader with the cape, but a uh, a great visual to end up on. Tom. Steel. What are you giving this one out of 10? What are you giving the entire series or season, I should say, out of 10? And some final thoughts. This episode of 10... This series a nine. It's better. I I knew I would like it. I'm predisposed to like Star Wars things. Uh, They pulled it together in a way that impressed me. And I I still want the main Star Wars product we get, the the heavy hitters, if you will, to be the movies. But this gave me complete confidence. And and, and I'm not saying they they won't go wrong or they won't have series that I won't like. But they I'll believe they, that when I see it. Yeah, I, I'm saying it's possible. I'm saying it's possible. <laughs> uh, this was an excellent way to start off the the Star Wars era or the, the television era of Star Wars. And the the story they chose to tell was was a very was a compelling one. Uh, it gave us some characters, um, places that we liked, and and Baby Yoda. Yoju, if you will. It, which I won't, but you can't you can't go wrong with what they did. Robbo, out of ten, out of ten. Final thoughts. Eight, eight. I liked it. <laughs> I think that, like, if you would have told me, <clears throat> let's say, go back in time, right? Before the buyout, like there's it's like the darkest days of Star Wars for me. I felt like it was it was no longer interested in, in me, in my appreciation. Uh, it just like it just wasn't going in any kind of direction. I, I felt promising. Right. And you would have told me is like, just hang in there. At some point, there will not only be a Star Wars TV show. There will be a Star Wars TV show that features a pig man riding on a two legged fish dinosaur. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Carrying a baby Yoda, being chased by speeder bikes on a lava planet, 
and it's going to be one of the most tragic things you've ever seen in your life. I would have called you a liar. And then I would have prayed every night until I, that, that, that episode was released. Like, just please make this happen. This is all I want from Star Wars is to do this kind of thing. This is the whole point of Star Wars for me is that kind of like, it's so stupid and silly and fantastic and crazy and brilliant. I just it make it, make, make people care about Muppets, you know, like it's, I, I, how can you ask for anything else? You can't. Emily Lind. Yes. Um, out of 10, out of 10. Final thoughts. This episode is 10. I think this series is probably a 9 or 9.5. I, I thought this did a really nice job of being a season finale the, the ends like not on a it wasn't a cliffhanger that made me go oh I'm so mad that I can't watch this next week but it left so much cool stuff open the I like that you have the armorer give him the speech of no like we already knew he was gonna you know trying to do what's best for baby Yoda but for him to to lay down the rules of no this is like your sacred duty now like this is the thing you have to do in your life is find baby Yoda's people and get him back to them and so you already have that set up you have the hit that we might see Boba Fett next season and to then have the added, the dark sabers in play is much more than I was ever expecting. And I'm super glad that Moff Gideon's going to stick around for a while. Not just because I like those types of characters, but I think the show needs a recurring villain. And it's something I, I had felt was kind of missing from those first few episodes, especially since like I knew, okay, Herzog's not going to be in this much, and I was just waiting for somebody else to show up, and now we have it, and it gives it a real drive, and I'm I'm super excited to find out more about Mandalore and how Gideon has the dark saber and everything else that that could lead to. Excellent. I, um, like Emily and like Tom, I'm going 10 on this epi and I'm going nine for the season. I thought the, the, the whole season, how, how it played out, it, it sort of set up the first few episodes, set up the, the scenario. Then we had a few character episodes, um, the introduction of Cara Dune, the, um, the controversial Tatooine Dash Render episode, which I, I really <laughs> loved. And um, then the, the, the Bill Burr episode was like, they're, they're so, such different shot, like such different episodes. But um, they like in the season make a, like just a great um, varying story. And I, I think from like the last definitely from the last half i each episode was my favorite episode that they'd made 
Do you know what I mean? So I was like, yeah. Tatooine, I was like, oh, that's my favourite episode. Then this is my favourite episode. This is my favourite episode. And, um, yeah, those, those, those last two um, were, like, like, to establish, and, and I guess they've got the, you know, television and, and the longer time, but, you know, to es- establish characters that I was, like, on metaphorical tender hooks. The, the hooks were tender and that I was worried about their, their sort of futures and I, I, I totally, like, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed out about Kuehl and I'm bummed out about IG-11, but they were legends in the game. They they killed it while they were around, and I I was talking about this with Hawes that this show gives me urges to buy products. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate compliment for Star Wars, which I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not that um, but yeah, like a, an IG Eleven with Yoju front ba- backpack oh, on, on yeah. the speeder bike. Mm-hmm. And a, a cure on a on a on a blog, woof! I'm um, you know, give me a, a black series of those, and I, I I'd be pretty pretty stoked. So, I, I I I guess one positive negative is my expectations for the other TV series are very high now, exceedingly which, high. Which ones? The, the the Cassian and, and the Ben Kenobi one, like I'm sort of like, they have to be so good, like like this was. I just feel outstandingly fulfilled watching this series, like, it just like it, it yeah obviously it, you know it gave like a, a bizarre Star Wars remix with Boba Fett looking after Yoda, and. You know, there's there's an Ugnaught, there's Jawas, there's all these things that are sort of, you know, I, I think like Favreau and um, Filoni say, oh, we've got all these Star Wars toys, let's see how we play with them or whatever the metaphor was. But I I was just like, and the story was good, the characters were great, it's funny as hell, the music is banging. And now they've got to replicate this two more times or they've got to, they've got to equal this standard. Um I guess Deborah Chow's doing Kenobi, so oh, so I'm so looking forward to that. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty confident there. I hear I hear shaky things from Cassian Land. Um, have you guys heard any any sort of production updates on uh, that it's, show? It's definitely going forward, so that's good news. Because for a while it looked like it, it might not. Mm. Um, Get Rick in there, the good Rick. Let him let let him take over. Yes. Get him in there, McCollum. He'll sort him out. No, no, the good Rick. Nah, the good Rick. he will. He will dense it up. He'll densify it. Look, yes. if if they get the two Ricks together, oh, Rick uh, off. Yeah, and then like, and and then uh, Rick McCollum's just there saying every decision you've made is perfect. Then <laughs> it will be very good. <laughs> very mean. Hey, um, before we wrap up, Tom, what? Um, what do you think we can expect in tie-in story with the upcoming Clone Wars arc on Disney Plus? I think it's possible we could see Moff Gideon back in his Republic days. Oh, never even thought of that. Yes. 
that's that's the big one. I think we, we left off. Maul would be in charge of Mandalore, basically as a proxy for Palpatine, because he and Savage Opress in the Clone Wars had that duel where Palpatine killed Savage. Maul thought he was dead too, but Palpatine said, "I have work for you." So my my guess is that the Siege of Mandalore is going to be very closely related to the end of the Clone Wars as we see it in Revenge of the Sith. But I think uh, we could see something like Moff Gideon and other figures here, maybe some more Death Watch as they go off and, and bring children back from these planets where they've saved them. Um, and then Maul fleeing to Dathomir with the Darksaber. That would be my guess. The um, I don't ex- I don't expect to see the purge though. I think that happens after season four of Rebels. Now the night of a thousand tears is that the night they um released Rise of Skywalker? Or is that referred to what you think? <laughs> I think some say that's the night they released the Last Jedi. <laughs> it's just a joke, guys. Just a joke. And they were collected in a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Big pop from Skeletor. Uh, I guess <laughs> the final question and uh, the one that's very close to our, our dear friend Hawes Burkhart's uh, little heart, big heart, let's be honest. Um, was that Boba Fett on Tatooine? King Tom? I think at this point it was. You know, it, I think I'm someone who, when I watched Lost, I was in very big into the smallest of mysteries. And I think it speaks to the quality of this episode that I didn't even realize that we didn't get an answer for that until the next day. How do you mean we didn't get an answer to it? I was expecting to see something this season about oh, who that the, oh, you didn't jingly realize. jangly person was. Gotcha, and gotcha. I didn't even realize, oh, that, that that's still out there. That's still unknown. Got you. I thought you meant we got the answer to it the next day and I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Emily, is it Boba Fett? I I didn't think so at the time, but the fact that we haven't gotten an answer to it yet makes me probably like ninety eight percent sure that it's Boba Fett. Robert, I, I if you'll recall, I said it was Boba Fett, and that he weren't going to find out this season, and that it was just Filoni setting it up, say, "Hey, Boba Fett's back." And there's no future plans for it. Oh. <laughs> so far, prediction is holding up. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Boba Fett becomes, like, an element of a season two. But I, I don't know whether you need him because you got John Carlo there. You got Moff Gideon. That magnificent bastard. I just want to see him just want to see him get his comeuppance. Yeah. I, I'm either way. But just because I, I just know Hawes will be very happy. So I'm like... Make it Boba Fett. If it's not Boba Fett, it, this is, it's either it's Boba Fett or you're a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's, um, <laughs> which, if only all of life could be so cut and dry, that would be fantastic. Oh, it is. Haven't you logged on to Twitter recently? Uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've 
I've, I mean, I've all dip- signs point to it being pretty cut and dry. I've dipped my toe in the. Uh, I've <laughs> tweeted from time to time. I don't mind a kickback and, and just just a jovial tweet amongst friends. It's always good fun. That's still- <laughs> what, what harm could come of it? <laughs> no, I don't know. Sometimes this week it's like you tweet something and then you like you know get busy and then like three hours later I remember the tweet and I'm like oh I don't know how. <laughs> This will be taken, and uh, generally uh, some angry people. But tell me a fun space movie. It's cool, you dudes. Um, hey, this has been so fun talking about all these episodes with you guys every week. I, um, I I did plan on having this big revolving panel thing, but it was so fun talking to you guys. I was like, let's just let's just keep it in the club. In our, our little clubhouse on Skype. And uh, thanks to Rashad and Hawes, who also contributed. It was uh, Dominic Pace uh, from The Mandalorian. Uh, he was on. And thanks to Tom, Emily, and our good buddy in Snake Mountain, Robbo. Tom, let the good people know of the internet where they can hear you on my Patreon and no other plugs, please. Uh, I forget the name of the show, but it's the one where we talk about books. Page Wars. That's it. Page Wars. Tell, tell, you tell them everything. I don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> I, uh, I talk with Hawes on the Blue Harvest Patreon about video games on Masters of Harvest Kasi and with producer Rashad and our friend Luke Cruiser on uh, uh, seismic charges on the bad motivators Patreon and on the Sith list. It's hot. In hey, general. Hey, uh, would you ever consider changing your Twitter handle for me? I'm almost afraid to ask to what? I just want it King Tom. Because <laughs> I always go into type K and then I'm like, oh no, he's, he's he doesn't have the same sort of ego that I would, I, I'd be, I'd be about King Tom. So I'll think about it. All right. Well, birthday's coming up. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Emily Lind, you record a fabulous podcast called the Canterbite Dispatch with our beloved buddy, Brittany Brown. I feel like I've done the plug, but fill in the gaps. Yeah. That, I mean, that's with the podcast. It's called the Canterbite Dispatch. I do it with our buddy, Brittany. Uh, it's on Twitter at Cantabite Pod, and I am on Twitter fighting and blocking people at EF Lind. Oh, you haven't lived till you've been blocked by Emily Lind. That's what I. <laughs> it's exhilarating. I got to tell you, it is exhilarating. <laughs> Skeletor, Robo, where can uh, the good people uh, listen and read your thoughts? Uh, I'm on Twitter at GC9X. I have a video game podcast that I sometimes appear on called Hardcore Gaming 101. I mostly just edit it nowadays because I'm very busy. And uh, I also sometimes do a show with Steel on the Steel Wars uh, Patreon channel. It's the Robo Report. But, uh, I mean, I feel like that's that's what uh, I've been able to do here for these. And, and it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that that's sort of taken the place of that at the moment. Yeah, but, yeah, but, I can't but, complain. But for the true fans on Patreon, we've got a little surprise, Robo. Do you want to let them know Ooh. what we'll be doing next week? 
I didn't know we were actually going to do that. Um, <laughs> I think you're talking about. I as think a, you're talking about. A, we're going to try uh, Robert, and uh, do. As, as I was as I was setting it up, I was like, "There's no way he's going to go along with. He's going to block me. He's 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 <laughs> the worst improv uh, class person ever. It's 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 yes and. Not not I didn't yes, know. We were yes and do yes yes and now say what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do uh, commentary tracks for, for, for The Mandalorian, right? We are. We're going to watch it together and chat. And I'm going to look Man. up so many facts. I'm going to boggle you with facts. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I'm just going to sit there and listen. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a first. <laughs> and we laughed and laughed. Um, I very much looking forward to doing that and watching the whole series sort of again with the, um, you know, having the whole thing in, in my head and seeing how it all fits together. I, um, I feel like, like how well it's planned out, like, you know, like the films, the, 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 the sequel trilogy just came out and, like I, I feel like just sort of having a vague end goal and making up as you go works if you play by the rules. And I kind of feel like the sequel trilogy didn't play by the rules. They sort of like people going off in their own directions. But this, the way it sort of it was planned out and written and, and, and filmed, and I'd be fascinated fascinated to know if they filmed. Like if directors came in and like we've got this set, come in and film all your stuff here, or they they actually did it in like segments, like episode segments or what. Hope we get a lot of bonus features that would be a good way to get us to keep or stay subscribed to Disney Plus, and we get a few months of like bonus features and and directors commentaries from um, those guys. That'd be like a good value added way to um, keep the Star Wars fans subscribed. So um, it has been an absolute pleasure talking about watching this show, talking about it with you guys and uh, having you guys listen. If uh, you're on YouTube, give a thumbs up, give us a comment. And um, if you haven't, check out the podcast where we've, we interview tons of uh, Star Wars people of note and uh, fans. Ben Mendelsohn came around to my house one time. It was, it was pretty sweet. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And may the Force be with you. This is the way I have spoken. And other catch phrases. Give that man a TV show. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.